Hey everybody, this is Ariana Evans, your host, and you are listening to I See You Mama, a podcast where we talk mom to mom about the things that matter to us. You never know what you're going to get. That's how we like it. And today is episode 20. 20! It feels like we've been doing (laughs) this for a long time, and yet it feels like we just started to. Um, I've been thinking about taking the month of July off because with all of my kids home, I'm back to stay-at-home mom mode, and it gets a little hairy over here uh, trying to organize that with other moms who are home or not at home or who are working and their kids are in daycare, and um, having our guests come over. My guest, Nikki's not here. She's in Scotland. Stinker. Well, no, she's in Latvia having... She went to a wedding, I think. So Nikki hasn't been here all summer. I'll try to catch her when she gets back for co-hosting. But I think we're going to take the summer off, or the month of July off, and jump back in. Um, My kids start school in August. So that might be what I do. I'm not sure yet. You'll know next week if a podcast doesn't appear. It's because I'm like, you know what? I am taking July off. I'm my own boss. I can decide. I really wanted to go a full, um, a full, I don't know what I had in mind. It's like, no, I'll take next summer off. But you know what? I can do what I want, which is nice, which sounds really entitled and spoiled. But I have the luxury of not recording and no one's telling me no. So, um, yeah, I think we might take July off and just do some um, recording in the evenings or, and then just start back in August when things go. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I weathered my trip to Texas with my three kids. Um, I got to record one, one solitary podcast with a friend. And um, I just have to kind of leave these things in hands bigger than mine and say, it's this is what was meant to be. Um, it is what it is. And some people hate that saying, but for me, it's like, it's a life giver to say that this is, this is what's happening. And I can get all my underwear in a knot about it, or I can let it go and um, just really surrender it and say, this is what's happening. Um, and some things I can control and some things I can't. And I cannot control things falling apart. And I had a guest ready to come over and record. And she was going to talk about dating as a single mom in her 40s. And then one of my kids uh, had mild heat exhaustion and threw up. Good times. <laughs> Thanks, Texas Heat. I appreciate you. And then we were just never able to coordinate our schedules again to do that recording. So you get what you get around here. So we're going to jump right in with my guest, who is Mandy Rogers Horton. She's an artist and also an an adjunct teacher at uh, Belmont University and Lipscomb University, which are both here in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, she's a beautiful studio. She makes beautiful art, and she's also a mom. So this is Mandy Rogers Horton, and um, we have known each other for a little while. Kind of in more in passing until yeah, this last year. This last year. It was on the walk to school day that we just like talked Shit. it up, yeah. talked about faith and sex and <laughs> all kinds of we stuff. We did have like a, ooh, let's talk yeah. about all kinds of stuff. We did. <laughs> Watch out for those walk to school days. I know. Those walk to where our kids like ran ahead and we're like, bye mom, peace. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are we walking with you while you just ran ahead? We're out of there. They were, <laughs> they were gone. <laughs> So are we? We have sons in the same. They were in the same class. Yes, same which I age. hope happens again. Yes, I really do. Yeah. And then, um, so you have how many? Four. Four. So Stella's the oldest, and she's going into sixth grade. And then Sai is going into third, and Gigi into second. And then surprise, surprise. baby, who is one year old. <laughs> so. Four. It was. It's yeah. Yeah. We what's thought we were done what's at three. Wolfie's real name. Wolfie's name is Theo Wolfgang Miller Horton. Okay. So all the kids have. All the kids have. T- all the kids have. Yeah, two middle names. Yeah, they were telling me today, like this is oh, my yes. whole big. I'm like, that's a yes. lot of names. They all have two middle names, 
And they all have at least one artist reference in their names because my husband and I are both artists. So yes. we thought, like, we're going to mess them up in so many ways. We might as well make <laughs> it, like, slightly interesting so they have some, like, interesting trivia for game night yes. or icebreaker conversations. I want to talk about, like, your artist path because yeah. I mentioned in the intro, which you weren't here for, that I did before you got here, um, <laughs> that you are a teacher at Lipscomb University. Yeah, I'm, part, I'm an adjunct instructor, so part-time at Lipscomb and at Belmont. So. Okay, so you're at both. Yeah. And, and you, but like, what was your, were you always like, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up? I, that like an early, in ooh. elementary and high school, I was more, well, so elementary school, I was much more like extroverted, exhibitionist. No. Yeah. That's not true. So I really How loved, you, <laughs> I loved being change? in the spotlight. I, what? I just, yeah, so we did, we lived on army bases. My dad was in the army. I'm the youngest of four. And we would do community theater on army bases when this I was really little. True. So I would be like Mandy the little story. girl in whatever story, be the daughter, whatever. And, um, and then I guess in junior high, I went through my first major depression when we moved from D.C. My dad got out of the military. We moved to Chicago. It was just a really, really rough transition at a kind of pivotal moment in development. And cold and dark. So it was a really gross, bad two years, and I got really shy and quiet and started drawing. But then Mm -hmm. in high school, I switched to this other high school where I had friends um, from church and... Generally, my high school experience was, experience was pretty good, and um, started doing some like show choir and a little bit of theater there. I was never in a lead. Me I was too. like never that good, but I was always like in the chorus. I was one of the nuns in the sound <laughs> of music or whatever. And show choir. Uh, but so that whole time, like I, I guess even in elementary school, I, I remember saying that I wanted to be a photographer for National Geographic or Geographic. Like I wanted to travel see the world and make these images and tell stories um and then yeah drawing sort of as a emotional outlet in junior high but then it wasn't really till I went to college that I started studying visual art and I think I mean even then I really like all through high school I, I played piano and I would play like an hour two hours a day I I could read music not particularly well but I would I mean I learned some complex pieces like some Rachmaninoff you know that kind of stuff but yeah. it was always really hard to read music but I would make up stuff or listen to stuff and figure it out but I would spend hours doing that and one of my older sisters is a songwriter and so she loved music and loved writing her own stuff and um, so that was in the air but then when I was thinking about going to college I just thought if I study music it's going to kill it like I just yeah. it's this really personal internalized passion and if I have to do music theory I will die (laughs) and it'll kill me and it'll kill the love of that so it's a little soul killing I have to admit can be for some reason with visual art though I I love it I I mean not to say that I haven't ever gotten a critique that burned but um, in general like I like feedback and I like critique and I like analyzing art history and um, yeah learning about the movements and you know yeah. The, the internal debates about why we do what we do. Like, I, I just find that all fascinating. <laughs> and it didn't, yeah, it didn't kill the passion. It makes it more yes. uh, interesting. Good. So, yeah. So, music, I mean, what, it's weird to say, but I'll go months without playing piano at all, which I would never have imagined. I right. thought for sure I'll always play an hour, five hours a day, you know? Oh, but, always. Yeah. But who has time for that? Like, no. <laughs> nah, not me. <laughs> I can hardly remember to sit down and do like my 30 minutes of like, okay, I got to slog through this, whatever thing I'm learning. I'll just, I'll get on a kick, but I won't do it. I don't have the discipline to be like, yes. And now I'm not good at forming habits, which in a way has probably been good in terms of like, I haven't formed terrible habits or like addictions. (laughs) You know, there was a time I wanted to be a smoker, and I honestly would keep forgetting to smoke. Um, <laughs> that is so, so dumb. Like, like months later, I'd find the pack and be like, like oh, I was going to snap. I was going to be a smoker. What happened to that dream? <laughs> um, but on the, you know, on the very unfortunate side, I also, like, don't develop studious habits or, you know. Like, yeah. I would love to be someone who's in the studio, you know, even if it's, like, 15 minutes a day drawing or something. But I'm not yeah. that. 
So I've that, seen like your big pieces that are in your studio, but I've have I gone to? I don't think I've gone to actually one of your exhibits. Like, yeah. Exhibits. Yeah. yeah. No. I didn't mean to talk to you about that. Oh really? Are <laughs> no. you having coming up? Uh, not for a while. Next March, I think. Oh yeah. Um, that's but, such a long like way out. I don't think I have anything planned oh, next gosh. March ever. Yeah, we just actually I just went to the gallery and um, talked with them, and I love working with them. I show at the arts company in Nashville, and they're just such great people that I really love working with them. But so we were talking about it, and the, sort of the options were November or February or March, and it's like I could do November. Like I often do work on that's a that's a pretty short deadline to make a whole body of work, and I have done that and it works in a way because of the craziness of our life to just be like okay I've got to do it it gives me sort of the excuse to say like I I have to say no to everything else even certain things with my kids and just like focus and knock it out but I want to do some bigger things and some more complicated things so I was like let me get let me have a bigger run up to it and hopefully I will use my time well and get ahead of it and not be up against the wire as I am usually do you already have like a concept in mind for what you're going for? Or do you have like, okay, this body of work will be about, or do you do it that way? How do you do it? Um, y- yes and no. So often we'll talk about like kind of two ends of the spectrum of a visual artist. So you might be like a formally driven or conceptually driven. So if you're more formally driven, you, or if you're sort of on the extreme of that, you would be someone who you don't have a concept, verbal that you could verbalize but you sort of dive into it and and as you're in the making and you're feeling it out with the materials you kind of find the form and the concept is in that um so in that sense you might make a whole lot of things and at the end you see kind of what coalesces into what meanings kind of arise out of it and then the other side is concept driven work where you might you have this theme and you're like okay what's the best body what's the best way to put that theme into the world and so then you might say I'm going to make photographs or sculptures or performance piece. So if those are, I am much more formally driven, but not only. So I have to kind of have my hands in it. I have to be, be like kind of thinking through the making. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have learned, you know, thankfully over the last 15 years or so, like certain trajectories, what things, some things that work better and things that don't. Um, which is a relief, and uh, so oh, yeah, I kind so of I have some ideas. Against like this isn't working. I want to try harder. You don't have that. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, there's there's definitely a stubbornness. I mean, part of it too, though. Like I found, like if I lay it out too concretely, so like Rocky is very conceptually driven. He knows what he wants to say, and he decides, makes all the decisions, and then he's just sort of executing the fl- the plan. But for me, like when I have tried that, it never works. I am secretly super rebellious. And if there's like a plan, I'm going to find a way to go against it. <laughs> like I can't, I can't make myself do it. And it seems like I always have to have some points of like wandering in the wilderness of like, I don't know if this is going to be okay. Like it's a hot mess and having to make decisions in the moment. Yeah. Whereas he really knows. So making the work for him is a little bit boring because he's like well this is what I'm going for and this is how it's going to look and this is what I, I just have to follow right. the steps whereas there's parts of my process that now after especially the last 10 years I kind of started working in collage and mixed media and so I've developed this process that in a certain way is kind of um, sometimes I'm like this is crazy convoluted like create like so many steps like say instead of you know if I want to make an image of a interior of a room let's say with windows and doors or whatever ceiling floors um instead of just drawing that or painting that straightforwardly I'll be going through magazines and finding images of windows and chairs and whatever you know and then from that or patterns um from that collaging a space and then painting over it and collaging more and painting over it um to like integrate it all together so it's it's kind of a weird backwards way to do it in a way but I think why I did it is there's like a formal reason and a conceptual reason so like the formal reason is I think that when I was just directly painting it's too much to have like the blank canvas and the paint to be so unmitigated like 
you just it's you and the paint alone against the world <laughs> like you know there's and it's just like every part of the process is you and the paint and that's it yeah and with this I have like okay if I if I'm not making headway in one direction I can go back to the magazines and start cutting things or I can be gluing things or I can be painting you know like there's different yeah so I think that works with my moodiness and my time strain too. So like having kids and like you don't have four, six, eight, ten hours at a time like what? I used to. Come on. It's true. Parenting <laughs> tends to limit your time. Little known fact right. about parenting. So with this, like I can, even if I have 30 minutes or if the kids are around, I can be doing some part of it. Yeah. you know, with them around and other parts when they're not around. But so that's kind of the formal reason. And then the conceptual component is that I think, I think probably, I like this idea of like taking images from all these different sources, all these different magazines or newspapers or books or whatever, and throwing them in together. Because I, yeah. I kind of think that that's what all of our lives are. Like, yes. we're all like this. Conglomerate. Yes, we're all like this buffet of bizarre things that, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. should and shouldn't be together, but like it's weird. You know, it's like when you go yeah. to an Asian restaurant or something, a buffet, and you're like, "This is not like there's French chocolate fries. pudding, what? or yeah, there's French fries and chicken nuggets." <laughs> um, and you're like, "These don't actually belong together, but, but they do now." Yeah, they've been combined, so now they do go together, but not right. historically. And I think that's what we're all like. Yeah. <coughs> well, I wanted to add. So, like, there was a real a real point. So, when we had kids. Um, to uh, like to a point that you made before about not having a lot of time if I was really focusing in on a thing and I really wanted to make that thing or do that thing or write that thing or be in that moment and the kids were like mom it felt like they were pulling me out of it and pulling me out of it and I would get angry (laughs) and then I wouldn't be a good mom at all and so (laughs) to to negotiate that I stopped doing art and stopped making Unless we were making together. And then I would do a very sort of like mild form of it. Yeah, like not like, your, like keeping your heart disengaged. Yes, I'm going to do Right. Because if you it, get too serious, you, like, it's like they sense it and they're like, oh, Mom, she's Mom, focused. Mom. I'm like, get her up. <laughs> Let's break and it up. It was just like, it was the only way that I could be a good parent <laughs> was, yeah. to, was to shut that off for a while until yeah. I got a little more space. But and then I, think I would stay up n- at late at night or get up really early and do whatever yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know people who make it work so many different ways, and I think it's totally fine to, to take a break or, to, you know, take yeah. a year off. Take. We had this um, at Lipscomb a few, well, now it's been like 10 years, a few years ago, um, this uh, really well-known Amer- American female artist, um, Janine Anthony, came, and she has one daughter and at the time I want to say maybe she was like eight some you know five eight something you know um reasonable and yeah and um smaller opinions what (laughs) and she was saying that she had taken almost five years off now granted I will say she had already achieved fame you know by the time she (laughs) took that time off but I I can imagine that even with that what seems to me from a distance that seems like a really secure position to be able to take some time off but then again I'm sure there was intense pressure yeah. around her to like what are you going to do next and um I was I remember that really hitting me because at the time I think our first we'd only had one and she was like a year year and a half maybe and thinking like oh, okay Jenny Anthony took time off it's okay it's if okay I need time um but I've also been able to keep going partly because of well a lot because of Rocky yeah um, because of both being artists we both try to give each other time and I will say he's really um selfless when it comes to what will make me happy <laughs> like what keeps me sane and guy. happy he's like okay you just need to get to your studio forget about the kids for a while and let me yeah you know so it's not like we get get or are able to give each other very regular time necessarily but when it's you know when it's needed we figure it out yeah so I'm really really lucky that way yeah well I was I was trying not to be rude but like <clears throat> look at my phone because I want to say the right name of this podcast that mm. I listened to a couple of called The Artist. It's like Artist Slash Mother. Yes. It's really great. And I was like, some are like, yes, my kid is in the studio and they're part of my process. And I'm like, that could never. But my art no, is different. it just like, depends. It's fascinating to me. There are some people who can really 
incorporate their children in their work. Yeah. And and make actually make good work, whereas I've made really terrible work. Yeah. With I, my kids I don't I don't incorporate them in for sure. And it just depends what part of the process I'm in. Like I just finished a small batch of paintings for um, a new gallery that we're kind of trying out working together and getting the paintings started started like I can't be interrupted like getting things started is so hard for me probably because of being more formally based like I have to like get in there and I don't know where I'm headed and being distracted at that point is it's excruciating and it makes me really mean um, <laughs> but then once I have a direction once I'm like okay I see how this is going to come together and like some of the next steps at least then I can be interrupted or I can take breaks and my studio is it's uh, the single car garage that's attached to the house like and leads in through the kitchen door so once I'm into like a good part of the process I can leave that door open I can listen to you know the bickering or the harmonious <laughs> sounds of childhood oh, coming from the kitchen and sounds. you know and I love that I love that part when I can have the door open and they can kind of be in or out or Sometimes I'll let them come in and like sit at my studio table and be drawing or coloring while yeah. I'm working. But I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't do work about them, at least not directly. Yeah. And I, I don't really let them participate. I have had them, uh, when Sai and Gigi were toddlers, they occasionally, I think they happened like three times where they grabbed paintbrushes mm-hmm. and painted on my paintings <laughs> in a way that was like, not helpful. Oh, yeah, no. but yeah. So oh I'm not gosh. one of those that can incorporate. But on my better days, we can, like, be yeah. artists in community, I guess. I don't think everybody can be, like, full-time earth mother. Yes, my children and I <laughs> have to squeeze the berries of these oak leaves to make You know, actually, I think I'm... And I think I'm almost worse because, like, I, I... Occasionally, someone will be like, oh, you probably, like, facilitate your children doing all these creative things because you're an artist and your husband's yeah. an artist. I think I might be worse than the average because I'm more like, <laughs> hey, this is my creative space. Right. Go find your own. Like, or I'm the one making messes. I don't need your mess to, yes. or I'm kind of like, like, you know, they'll do something and part of me wants to critique it and be like, is this really your best work? Because mm. <laughs> you're getting really muddy with these colors and I think the scale is off and... With, I mean, like, I mean, within their own age age range, but you know, sometimes I'm like, this seems a little beneath you. I think right. you can do better. Right? I expect better from you. Right? That we were I doing. I hold myself back, but I do think those things. Well, speaking to that, Cora and I have been like watching YouTube videos about acrylic pouring mm. art. They're just an example. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> And so, like, you watch all these videos, and then you, like, mix all your colors in a cup with a pouring agent that makes it more sort of viscous and go everywhere. And then if you apply heat, it, it like, all these cells appear. It's all, this a whole big thing. And so she saw a kit, and I was like, let's do it. And I was Aww, like, you see so then we did it. And then, like, but the kids were, like, just mixing in. And I was like, but you're, you're making it all brown. Like... Maddening. Like, my daughter's <laughs> recording. She was like, this is so cool. We're going to make our own YouTube video. I'm like, you're just hearing me like fuss at them for like using the palette knife to turn it all brown. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, okay. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really like, okay, if you combine like black and red and you just keep mixing it, it turns like poop. <laughs> like you cannot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so I had to sort of like be like I need mean, I'm gonna like take my hands off this and hey what if we squirt a little more color? <laughs> I know you like, know Ooh. my so my mom is wonderful mom uh, but she also is a bit of a perfectionist and so when we were kids we would decorate the Christmas tree. And then after we went to bed, the kids would decorate the Christmas tree. And then after we went to bed, she would like redo it. And forever I made fun of her and I was like. What a crazy thing to do. <laughs> like, but when everything's hung on like the bottom third. I totally get it. Yeah, everything's hung low when the kids do it. And it's just really messy and like the lights are not evenly dispersed. Like, I totally get it. And there's like um, 10 ornaments on this one branch and it's like sagging to the. Yeah. Like, pick the difference, a branch. The difference is that I'm too lazy with the Christmas tree to redo it. <laughs> but when it comes to art, I'm like, 
yeah, I'm going to remake all of your artworks. No, I don't let myself do it, but part of me wants to. Yeah. It's bad. It's hard. It's really hard to, like, see that perfectionism, like, in its little early stages in my kids. Like, there was this really cool piece that Peter did at school. He's six. Yeah. And he, he, I, like, he didn't even tell me about it or show me. I found it in his folder, and I was like, holy crap, what? But it was like it was like a face, but in proportion. So there was a very clear like yeah. Um, there was like the the lines yeah, and, and like t- so like symmetrical lines. Um, I'm dividing with my dividing, hands and I can't dividing the face like right, vertically and horizontally to get a yes. sense of scale. And it was so I was like, this is really cool. And I showed it to him, and he like turned his face away and started crying. He's like, it's not how I want it. And I was like, oh, God, please, that's not, you're only six. Can we not start oh, this? But Cora did the same thing when she was little. Like, she drew, she would draw the same thing, like, 50 times to get, it was like a mermaid. She drew it 50 times because it was yeah. not what she wanted. And then she just get kinda, mad. And I kind of like, love that follow through, though, right? Like, 50 she times? She had the persistence that's to do 50 times. Peter just, like, <laughs> cried and threw it. He's like, throw it away, Mom. It's no good. I'm like, okay, oh, no, no, no. But it was, like. I, I look at it and I'm like, this is a piece of art that I would. There's and I'm so just many totally like biased. landmines in parenting. It's <laughs> unbelievable. You just like I just feel I like it's great, babe. Yeah, like I don't. I'll try to say something like encouraging in a certain direction, and then realize I've overstepped by yeah. like miles. And then I try to like gently turn it back, nudge it back. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture on her cell phone. That's right. really, actually, it's really nice. Isn't that? Like, it is. I mean, there's, I like, like, emotion in those biased, eyes. Right? And I can see, like, the little, oh. the little you know, It's got, like, a there. little Egon Sheila kind of feeling <laughs> to it. So I'll post this picture on the Facebook page and on Twitter, so you or on, on Instagram, which I hate, but I will do for you people, so you can <laughs> see what the heck we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's really, it's but got like, some life. Right? How do you, like, encourage and, like, say, okay, you can, it's okay. Like, we'll do it again. The the hardest thing right now is my kids will say, I tried my best. I tried my best. And best. You put those socks in the drawer. They made it halfway up the stairs. Exactly. Right? I feel like most of the time they use it is like that. Like, they're like, I cleaned cleaned something, and I go and look, and I'm like, you you clean this? Like, I tried my best. In a way that's like, I'm absolved of all things because I tried my best quote unquote and so I'm like in this weird position of I don't want to say well your best is not enough right that's you don't want to say that that's not right but on the other hand like I guess just to say like I don't agree that this is your best but then that sort of undermines potentially undermines their sense of like self-regulation and like I said this was my best so yeah I don't know I don't know but it's funny like if you're applying that like if my kid goes in and, like, I say, hey, I need you to clean up all the pee where you peed around the back of the toilet, and here's a bunch of paper towels, and here's the spray. Yeah. And I go back in there, and it's still yellow, and they're like, but I tried. I did it. I'm like, well, then we're going to do it again together until it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. actually done. But, like, I'll do that with, like, a chore or, like, when I'm teaching them something like but it's a when skill. But when it's something that you can't, you know, when it's, like, a test they took at school. Right. And you're like, well. You did your best. And okay. maybe your best was, like, you were super distracted and were a ding-dong yeah. that day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we've been having this conversation with, you know, it's just come up in a lot of different ways, um, like teens and college students, so I don't have any of these in my household, but I teach college, and then um, I do a summer camp, usually each summer they've been related to or connected to for 15 years, 20 years. Is that the one with your parents? Yes, yeah, and that's coming up in a month, so we were just talking about it today, and and then in a couple, my siblings all have teenagers and college students. uh, so my nieces and nephews are all those ages. So we've been talking a lot about like, just you know, this generation and are they <laughs> these are days. they independent enough and do they take responsibility enough and why are they so anxious? Why is there so much um, anxiety and insecurity and mental um, I don't know challenges? You know, so I definitely feel like in the 15 years I've been teaching, the last five years I'd say more and more and more just kids with different issues and on the one hand I think it's great 
I feel like there's maybe a better vocabulary for it. So yeah. students are able to say, like, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm dealing with this or that. Um, and on the other hand, it feels like more. And I guess some statistics agree with that. So, you know, what's what's going on? Why are, are they less able to cope? Or, you know, is the world that much more complex? Or are they not being given the skills to be independent? Yeah. Anyway, so there's just, yeah. All this conversation. I have serious theories about that. Like Ooh, I how the human it. brain was not made to look, to work on a global scale. Like, yeah. w- you know, because constantly we're bombarded with like world news. Whereas before it would take a while to find out about things like it would come across the wire and somebody had to lay that wire across the entire ocean so the wire could get to the like another country and like yeah that news just it came slower and it 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 didn't come at you like non-stop 24 7 and i feel like also the news is mostly negative so here you're dealing with this huge body of information coming at you that's global and there's you have literally no power to change any of that yeah and it can over, it overwhelms the system for me. I yeah. have to like shut it off and say, I cannot. I'm going to love the people here around me. I'm going to do good work. I'm going to be kind and be generous. I'm going to I'm going to seek out places where I can help because I cannot do anything about the genocide in Rwanda right now. Right. Like, but that was a long time ago. But still, I felt that like I had this impetus to do something. Yeah. And my well, brain yeah. was not equipped, nor was I. You feel like if you know um, about it, you need to do something about right. it. And, right. and I mean, and some, like the I still feel like that. I like, I drive down to the border and be like, okay, I'm going to do something. Feed and shelter people. Right. Feed yeah. and shelter. Protect. Yeah. So going back to the idea of like this generation and, and even us, like, who didn't get Instagram until our adult years, 30s, 30s. whatever, yeah. um, what it's doing to our brains. But actually, in a certain way, I kind of feel like what what Instagram is doing to my brain is the same thing my kids had already done to my brain <laughs> which is like limiting my attention span like yes. I can never get deep in one thing because like I'm gonna get interrupted yeah. I mean and I don't it's not necessarily permanent because even now like here we are having a conversation right shocking we're all shocking the but but <laughs> I do here. ramble more than I think I did pre-kids I mean it's impossible to say for sure but I feel like yeah, once kids came right. in the picture and you just were constantly like having to take breaks and you would forget where you were in the conversation, <laughs> you, so you just pick up and go another direction and then like t- two weeks later you're like, oh, I didn't get the end of that story. I wouldn't you know? tell you, but then somebody pee their pants and what? Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of feel like that is akin to what's happening with social media and our minds of like, yeah, uh, one component of that is like yeah. that broken up attention span I was just hearing about this friend's baby it's their first and he was born about a month before our youngest our Wolfie so it's their first and only and he's 13 months old and he's never seen a screen not a phone screen not a computer screen nothing and I think they're going to keep it that way until he's I think they're aiming for two maybe I'm not sure yeah um wait he's like they've never see he's never seen his parents on the phone i don't think or so. looking at their own they don't do it anywhere near him they just try to keep it really far away i'm not even sure for a while i think they didn't have internet at their home like they did all their kind of business at work well yeah. they must have now because i think the dad's working from home but um but just they try to keep that really separate for their for themselves and for him and then of course you know our wolfie is a year old and <laughs> He's the youngest of four. Like, of course he's seen yeah. screens. He sees them every day. Corey didn't, um, want, Corey didn't like, watch TV oh, until she was two. And then we had another baby, and it was, like, all the TV. Yeah. All of a sudden, I was like, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah, so she didn't, like, not not no, a single show until two. Not a single show until she was two. Yeah, do you <laughs> feel like, like there's a difference? Nera. No. Like, of all <laughs> the kids, like, she's probably, all of them are kind of equally adjust like she's not like because we didn't let her watch tv she's this amazing and the other kids are like chumps no like they're all kind of equally unique and and present and like she dove right in with like gusto about screens she was like woohoo screens are the best yeah you know but like we watched a lot of tv when i was nursing a baby (laughs) yeah yeah we during the school year we started this i guess a year and a half ago where during the school year, they don't watch screens at all, no games, no shows, from 
uh, Monday through Thursday. So, yeah. so like, I guess Friday, Saturday, and Sunday yeah. they have screen time. Um, and I, I, when I first thought about it, I was like, oh, they're gonna hate this. It's gonna be terrible. And then actually, it was great, and they got used to it really quickly. And it yeah. was so much better. And then I could let them watch more on the weekends and not feel bad about it because I <laughs> kind of kept them their minds free during the week. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of tr- figuring out this summer, like, how to manage summertime with them all three home, Yeah, you know, and together all the time. Um, so much fighting. So it's much a, fighting. Yeah, it's a lot of time. And which, you know, like, not know, all fighting is bad, I guess, in a way. Like, they're figuring yeah. out how to navigate relationships and sharing and privacy issues and right. stuff like that. Yeah, when it gets violent, but, I'm like, less act. Yeah. But it is, it's a long day if yeah. you don't have other, you know, regular activities or something. So we've been trying to kind of limit it to like two hours, like three, 30 minute segments that yeah. they each get the same number of. Sometimes it's, uh, okay, I guess an hour and a half, like three of those segments. Sometimes it's four. And then sometimes they can earn more by doing chores or whatever but yeah. but then once it's gone it's gone so yeah. partly because I was so sick of hearing the question can we get on the iPad can we get the iPad out I'm like, stop asking me about it I don't want to hear it talked about whatever <laughs> so but I also wanted to give them I mean talking about to like you know teens and college students having responsibility and agency and that yeah. kind of thing like I wanted also to put some power in their hands to like make decisions so yeah. right now I'm feeling good about this so like they can choose when to use that time I mean within some parameters depending on what's going on that day but um, if they use it all up in the morning well, it's cool right but now. then you just don't have any the rest of the day and don't come asking yeah. <laughs> you know um, yeah. so it's yeah it's interesting who can even that is such a personality thing like Sai wants to be on it all the time. Mm-hmm. He will choose it over playing with other people. He would choose mm-hmm. it over eating, basically. <laughs> Gigi is much like more tactile. Screens or sugar, like screens or sugar. Yeah. Well, Gigi's yeah. more tactile, so she'll watch for a long time. But if I let her, but she also wants to play and get her hands on stuff. Yeah. Um, and Stella's kind of in between. She's sick of doing things. Yeah. I can't sit and watch TV like I'm folding laundry or I'm knitting or I'm. Like, it's, I can't just sit there and be like, blah, I can't. It bothers me. Yeah. I, I get real antsy. I'm like, Matt's like, what do you that's just sit gift. there? And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I think that's a gift in many ways. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> like, I often end up, like, watching TV and, like, scrolling through my, like, Facebook feed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Which feels crazy. Like multiple screens, because one is not enough. I don't right, know. right. Which you know, when Stella wants to do that, I'm like, just do one thing at a time. Right. But then when it's us, we're like both on our phones and watching a show. And <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder. Like I ta- I was talking about this. Like, uh, there's gonna be this generation, and you, it, it's you know, with every generation, it has its own thing. But like, I was playing it playing music at a camp this last summer and when I was in high school like probably hmm, a fourth of the people mostly guys I knew were like learning to play the guitar and could wail out a couple songs you know a little Leonard Skinner or whatever they they were into like they would like pick a good couple of four or five cover songs they weren't amazing but they could play those songs and like so when it came to camp like somebody else would bring their guitar. We'd all play camp songs. They weren't yeah. that hard. It was basic chords. La, la, la. Here's a book. We are all playing camp songs. Right? So now I go to do camp. None of the kids. None of the kids play. Oh, wow. Like, they're, I'm like, does anybody anybody play? No. Nobody plays. Because like, they just do, don't do you... spend the time. They don't yeah. have, like, think of yeah. it as having time to do that. Yeah. And I think there will be this place that we come to as a society where we're like, oh, we've forgotten about these sort of like what we sort of dismissed as like, eh, whatever, it's not technology. Like I make all my all my all my music on the computer. Like yeah. great, but you don't actually play any instrument. Those are all loops. Yeah. Like your poetry is made but like there'll come this time where people are like, Oh, I'm going back to my Yeah, well it's sort of like back to farming, back to local foods, back to you know. Yeah. And I think hopefully sooner than later. Kids will go back to like making things with their hands. (coughs) You know? I know even in our generation there's been this like like I wanna be an artisan. It's kind of 
become this sort of pop word mm-hmm. that everybody uses. But eventually, they, like, they're going to be like, well, what is this thing that I can't do? Like, there will be those people who do yeah. that, and they will be the musicians and the artists, and the, and there may be less of them. Yeah. But I think there's still going to be those. Yeah. Well, and it's not like that all... I mean, everything was new technology at some point, right? Right, right. <coughs> so it's not that the using a computer or something is wrong or right. invalid. It's just, it's a shame if it comes, I think, too quickly at the cost of something else. And also things that, I always want things to be interactive or have an interactive component mm-hmm. instead of an isolating component, have a component that builds bridges and things like that, which is funny, I guess, in a way, because I am an artist who works alone in her studio (laughs) for the most part, right? Um, But then it is through, you know, like where Rocky and I are involved in um, like a co-op gallery called Coop here in Nashville or we're both really involved through teaching with our students and, um, you know, go to the gallery openings and get to talk with other artists. So there is like definitely a community component to it that really, really matters. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, we'll talk to people, like artists, friends who've moved away or, or maybe who never lived here but live in other cities and are making work and stuff and and kind of get an outside view of how friendly the Nashville art scene really is. And kind of, in a way, it's just a little check on our gratitude for it because yeah, there is such a, a kindness and an openness here I love that, that isn't true everywhere. And I think, you know, in a weird way, it's probably partly because it's not an art city. Right. Um, although the art galleries and the amount of artists and serious artists here has improved vastly over the, the 15 years I've been here, but yeah. um, but because it's not, it's not one that's focused, for yeah, it's or, not New York or Berlin or whatever. Right. So there's not like this crazy sense of competition between anybody, you know, right. like so we have friends that show at all the different galleries or teach at all the different art schools, you know, yeah. and there's not any sense of like rivalry or you know that's which is but a gift. That's, but there is that for music which is oh, tough. I'm sure I'm sure so like but I, I love that that's there it's like there's this kind of encouraging community of people who are like what are you making now? yeah cool let me see I yeah about it like not to say that you don't <laughs> everyone's will have like personal jealousies right because <laughs> you can always have that that's another like social media thing like so and so is getting this opportunity or whatever yeah. I mean but that's just personal and I think human you yeah. know it's but it's great that the community wise it's not a, yeah a yeah. place of rivalry and competition and nastiness good I love that yeah it's really good oh my gosh so I don't know if we ever actually have like hit on it we've talked about so many things like how do we sum it up <laughs> <laughs> we talked about so many <laughs> um the perils of social media. The perils of social media. Whether you're a formally based or conceptually based artist. Yes. Which is funny, like, uh, I was thinking, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about music and how, like, very, sometimes artists will put out a concept album. Like, it's a mm. concept they come up, and that's what I've been writing for the last couple of years with a friend of mine. Yeah. It's a story, and each song is a chapter, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that it had, like, a, you know, as what is what I've Connection. been doing before was more like formally based where I'd have like an idea or I'd just sit down and start have playing a melody. like a thing would come and I'm like yeah so but I guess that exists in music but yeah. I just never heard it discussed like that yeah yeah so yeah so we talk about formal and con- formally based or conceptually based and then perils of social media and then <laughs> we talk about like making music or making art with your kids or, or near your kids yes and near as opposed to with near as opposed to with <laughs> And, and, the mainten- and the maintenance of your sanity in the midst of all that. Yes. It's really it's really such a beautiful thing to watch, especially other moms, really carve that out and say, like, this is a valid part of me. And yeah. I, I, would, I want to dig into this and not just lay, you know, I, growing up in the South and in a religious base, there's this whole, like, sacrificial living. Like, right. live sacrificially, like you know pour everything out lay it all down like there right. is this 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 underlying especially as applies to women right this concept that comes up a lot like well that's just not yeah very sacrificial of you to want to 
go away from them to do what you love. Yeah. I'm I mean, like, the basic <laughs> the basic idea of self of self-sacrifice is beautiful. Right. But you also I don't know. But you're I not an immortal. Being. Right. You're, you're not, not a deity. There's not nothing a, for you to you like are, give out of if you're always tapped out. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there has to be a like this place is me, so I have something to give you. If I'm just like have given it all away then there's nothing left I'm just a shell of a human yeah who has nothing to add to your life as a parent as a as a friend as anything I'm just like okay I'm all and there have been phases in my life where I was in motherhood where I was like I'm there's nothing like well, I have nothing to talk about nothing to say Ugh. yeah I'm empty. where did I go yeah where did I go I lost my yeah. voice I lost my like ability to I don't know just be me instead of like a a human who's growing a symbiote. Right. <laughs> a parasite. Because yeah. they take things. They don't, it's not symbiotic. <laughs> it's parasitic. <laughs> but people get mad when I say that. I'm like, literally, in the past, women would lose teeth. So please don't discuss me about how it's symbiotic. It's not. The woman is not gaining anything. <laughs> by the, she's gaining a baby, but like the baby is taking all the things from her body. <laughs> yes. Oh my word. So there is that. Yeah. Like, having a place to give out of yeah I think um honestly I think I've got like this selfishness in me that has also been uh beneficial to that point like this sense of I mean obviously it's got its downside but there's well okay so I guess to back up the some surprising things the things that have been surprising to me about myself over the last 10 years of parenting 11 years technically uh that Early on, I was a very insecure artist. It took me forever to even say that I was an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, literally, I was most of the way through grad school before I would actually call myself an artist. I was in grad school for art. You know, like, <laughs> I'm getting an, a Master of Fine Arts, an uh, MFA in painting, I and I couldn't do. call myself that. It's, it's a weird thing because it's not like, you know, taking the bar exam or whatever, getting your CPA, you know, going through your these official. exams where you get an official declaration. Like, so it's hard to know when do you say you're an artist because you've sold something or sold you're at a certain price or, or you've, yeah, you've gotten into a certain show or I don't know. So it is, it is a little more subjective, but I also just felt so insecure and I would date other artists and I'd be like, oh, well there, he's the real artist. And I'm just like, maybe I'll teach art or something like that, you know, <laughs> like, like I'll be an elementary school art teacher or I'll be a camp director that does like crafts or, you know, I don't know. I was always thinking of myself in these lesser positions. Um, But it turns out that I am really stubborn and self-centered in a specific way (laughs) and and, like unwilling to go to certain lengths for anyone else. So, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that has saved me a little bit from getting to a place where I feel like I have nothing because I mean, like I can't even... When we had our second and third back-to-back, and our first was only three and a half, and then Sai and Gigi came within seven months of each other because he's adopted, and she was a biological surprise. And um, it was so crazy and so intense and really not that pleasurable for a number of years. Like, right. I would say, like, three years of feeling like you were drowning. And I still was making work, and I was still having shows in that time. And looking back, I'm like, how did that happen? (laughs) But I just think I had this sense of, like, self-preservation and a little bit of selfishness that kind of protected that. But I will say, but I I will maybe not draw the best boundaries. So, like, I'll kind of give and give and give until I reach that core that's like, you can't give anymore because I've got dreams. (laughs) And then I get very mean and brittle I think a friend of mine used that word brittle once and I was like oh that's exactly it like when you get so depleted that you just have no more flexibility and then everything's a big deal because you've kind of lost that so I I definitely remember like just getting to the point where I was just angry yeah like you cannot have any more that's all I have (laughs) yeah Stop asking me. I'm like that at bedtime. Right. I gave to you all day. It is eight. I'm off duty. Yes. I'm off the mom clock. We'll talk about it in the morning. If you get out of this bed again. I don't care what you do, but stay in this room. (laughs) And then I'll find like one asleep in the hall, like on a book. I'm like, I don't care. Whatever. 
just moving the bed. One of ours, Gigi, used to sleep in the hall. We'd find her in the weirdest places, but the hallway was one. Um, yeah, I'm making myself sound really bad, probably. You're not, like, but, but it's a negative just, spin on it. But you, I, what's funny is, like, you would never say this about, we would never say this about a father. Yeah, like, it, he it wouldn't be took applicable. the time to continue time his career. To, right, he yeah. cared enough about his like career yeah. and who he was as a person. We would we we apply this to women because there's this sort of like the selfless Madonna yeah. imagery that we're like it's subtly introduced and we're yeah. required to live up to without even you know I have this need like before you came over about three thirty. I started cleaning my freaking house because I was like, it is a dumpster fire in here. <laughs> and I want her to not think I'm a horrible human who lives like this oh, on a day. And I was like, Matt, can you just move this rocket launcher that you're making away from the front door? He's like, no. And I'm like, but it just looks so horrible. It's taking all the space. And he's like, she's going to love it. I'm like, oh. but there's this, I have this need for other people to think, oh, got it together. got it together. Like, yeah. But Matt doesn't give a rat's behind. He just left his rocket launcher by the front door. It's like half-built plywood. Yeah. Going I'm like, why doesn't he have this need to, like... Because it, it still is true. <laughs> I mean, it, and I feel like... I mean, like, so Rocky does 99% of the cooking. He cleans the kitchen a lot. I probably do more of the other housekeeping, cleaning, yeah. laundry kind of stuff. Um, but he's, like, super hands-on dad. Very, you know, like, hands-on in the kitchen. I mean, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. But I do still feel like when people come to the house, if it's messy, no one's going to be like, oh, Rocky is not a good housekeeper. Right. There's it's going to be me, right? Sure. And they okay. will be right, because I am not a good housekeeper. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm terrible. It's <laughs> the worst. I'm the, I, but I don't care. Like, I, I care. Try, I try not to care. If but. people don't come over, I don't care. <laughs> It's when people come over that I'm like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> I don't like, want them to know. Like, there's, I'm pretty sure there's corn under the table because we had corn for dinner. Well, like, uh, that's at least okay. If you haven't had corn for, like, two weeks and there's corn <laughs> under the table, that's where it gets embarrassing. But, like, you forget, can just tell just, people, like, we just had corn. I just, just found food. a cheese it somewhere, and I can't remember where, but it was really funny because I remember being like, oh, we have not had cheese for a long time. <laughs> And here it is. Where is this? It's a laundry room. We've been gone for three weeks. Like, how long has this been? Thankfully, it wasn't nibbled by any rodents. I was like, sweet, we don't have rodents. But really, it was like a premeditated plan. You were like testing, (laughs) testing your house for rodents. But it's this, I don't know, like, where, because my mom's not this way. Or she doesn't, I don't perceive this in her Maybe she is. She does clean a lot when we're coming out. Like, I got your room ready. Da, da, da. But, like, it wasn't ever, like, a thing that she was like, you're not a good woman, housewife, wife, uh, mother, if you don't have X, Y, and Z. Because she never did. Because yeah. how could you with seven kids? She was just barely, like, treading water Keeping most of the time. So I don't, I didn't get that her, but there is a subtle message. Like, if you don't give up who you were and become... Yeah mom extraordinaire that you're selfish and that's yeah. not true it's not true yeah well so I will say my mom definitely definitely gave me that message because she <laughs> is an amazing housekeeper and cook and she was raised in a military family and then was with my dad through his military career for 20 years so they have like really really specific standards and and every time you move from like military owned housing army based housing you have to do, like pass the white glove test so yeah so she would live like that basically so mm. and she'll still apologize to rocky that i am not a better housekeeper rocky what? i'm so glad you love her even though she's not a good oh, housekeeper no. you know no i will also say my mom like loves me to death she's so super encouraging like i I must, take slight umbrage with that, and then I get over it quickly because she's but it must amazing. Be her in every other own way. form of art, like her way of like, this is how yeah. I maintain order and set, beauty. Order and hospitality beauty means so much in to her. The midst she wants of being dragged all over the country from base to base yeah, to base, and maintaining like, a sense of home. And, right. Yeah. So that's and her she's, art. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and I will say too, like she went back to grad school when I was in junior high, so I'm the youngest. So my brother was already out of the house when we moved to Wheaton, Illinois, and um, I was going into junior high. My two sisters were in high school, and she went back because she 
has she had she already had a college degree but in math which is yeah. like amazing <laughs> and um just because math has been elusive for me but she went back for psychology because she'd always worked with youth like she'd been a youth leader that whole time um we often had people work like live with us like different teenagers like a pregnant teen at one point or some oh, teenagers wow. having trouble with their own parents and some young college kids kind of needing a home yeah. um and so she just wanted to kind of go back and get like the official degree and be able to practice psychology so yeah. i mean so here's someone who's very selfless and in in, in a lot of ways very traditional about gender roles but then also was able to like say like I should invest in myself I'm worth this time and this energy and yeah um, so I, I think she's just a fascinating kind of example of a lot of things but I'm I'm completely fascinated by like this I know so many women who had like this really cool like post kid like things just took off in this crazy direction they're like I never would have predicted this yeah like way back when I was nursing <laughs> yeah but like here I am doing this thing that I never thought I would do and it's I'm I, I love those stories they're they're wonderful to me I'm like see yeah it's not over because not you turn over, 40 right? or because you have x number of kids right I mean it's I a, funny when people ask how many kids we have, you know, if we've got, like, maybe if we just have one with us at a moment, and people are like, oh, is this your only kid? And we're like, no, we have more. I'm like, well, how many do you have? They're like, that's a lot. Four? That's a lot. <laughs> like, like sometimes I say 10, and then they're shocked, and then I say, no, just kidding, only four. <laughs> and then, like, try to. They're like, oh, that's reasonable. Right? <laughs> but I'm one of four, Rocky's one of six, so yeah. it well, has it a sense like of reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one, well, this one but, particular woman I'm thinking of, her name is um, Linda Lucas Hardy, and um, when her kids were like all in school age, she started going taking art classes at the local community college, and she's the same age as my mom. She also has seven kids. We had seven kids. She had seven kids, and so she has this huge career that blossomed out of that. And she's like, she's teaching art classes, and she's got a book Aww. coming out, and she her her she does specifically she does oil but her sort of medium that she found her joy in was um colored pencil cool and it was just so like and I was like what you what and she's like oh yeah yeah I'm John's sugar daddy now and I was like what <laughs> mama and I was like what is happening like that this whole big beautiful thing Reversal. opened up for her yeah in her Gosh. 70s and I was like well and it kind of grew yeah from like her 40s to her 70s. I try to like collect those stories because <gasps> they are so inspiring. And, yeah. and and of anyone too. I mean, just sort of any later career yeah. thing. Yeah. Just to feel like it's not okay, it doesn't have to happen when you're 25. Right. Um, you don't know Jack when you're 25. Gosh, I didn't for <laughs> I sure. Didn't know I don't even know how I got you know, went to grad school, got <laughs> through grad school. I mean, now when I look back I'm like, "Oh man, I was still making terrible work and I just was so unformed mm -hmm. just so lucky yeah. <laughs> that it all fell into place and I yeah. feel like teaching especially like the first five to ten years of teaching was sort of a continuation of my education you know right. like I learned so much through teaching and it structured my life in a helpful way um structure I love a little gosh. bit of structure I'm so unstructured yes I really but need I, I really need, need that I missed school when I graduated because I needed someone telling me to get up and go. Yeah, here some at regular. Because I'm like, wee. God, yeah, it's easy for day hours and days to fly by. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, it's always a joy. Like when summer starts, I love it. Yes. And then by the end, I'm ready for like, school I to need, start again I need, because I need. <laughs> I need and and I mean it's crazy, I. I have friends who were artists and then had kids and it was a real challenge to have to give up all this open unstructured time yeah um, but the way I work it's not always beautiful for sure there's a lot of I guess tensions to put it nicely um, with managing kids and their schedules and getting your own time but I when I look at the work I made in my 20s before four having kids it is not better <laughs> than what I made in my 30s <laughs> with kids and I think I like 
I think some of those parameters and the limitations sort of brought out the stubborn side of me and brought out the side of me that was like, well, it's now or never. Right. I can't sit around and wait for inspiration. Right. I don't have time to have like a dalliance with my melancholy. <laughs> like I just have to, I've got this hour or I've got this whatever, yeah. two months till a deadline. Yeah. And part of me wishes I didn't need those deadlines, but then again, like if that's what I need, that's what I need. And I kind of do. You know, it, it yeah. works. It does. And yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's but, not, it, there was this really deep belief in me that if I didn't do X, Y, and Z by the time I was 30, that I had failed. Oh, gosh. And yeah. like, I'm like, 30 is so young. <laughs> yes. It's such so good young. news that, I mean, yeah. I think too, well, because you're coming from music, mm-hmm. I think that there's a whole, it depends on maybe what branch of music, but definitely yeah. if you're any, and rock or pop or something like, yeah. the age limit is for women, what? 21 oh, like gosh. 28 at the I mean, you know it's late that you're like probably nobody's gonna invest because they're like right. you're already you're just crazy 30 in a strong way and people are like no way yeah with art at least we've got more examples mostly male for sure but more examples of men and women who made into their 80s and 90s and like yeah. made their best work after 50 you know yeah. so I'm like I hold on to those and just like think okay can do this I can do this it's it's only a recent development that I think that musicians that there's this idea that musicians are or are pop artists who are sometimes musicians and sometimes performers right that there's this it's a very new idea that you're actually any good before <laughs> before 30 it's a very right. new idea Right. Like, I would it has say... has so much to do with marketing to... Right. To teens, right? To teens. I would say and since the 50s. photographs and social the media. The 40s or 50s. Like, this is a new... I mean, maybe the 20s, but there wasn't as much media about musicians and what they look like and who they were yeah. and sex appeal and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, just coming from, like, a classical point of view, um, a woman's voice yeah. is not even fully developed until age 28. Wow. A man's voice is not fully developed until 30. And then it's fully matured at 40. So, like... I love that. That's such a better trajectory. Yes, I'm like, see, but, like... So, like, women who are like, no, no, I, like, made it and then um, was done by the time I was 28. I'm like, that's when your voice was finally ready. And it finally had, like both ends of the spectrum and you could have control yeah. and muscle and like your bottom end had not your backside but the bottom end of your vocal range yeah. had opened up the top range had opened up like this is when you finally had your true voice and by now you're a husband what yeah like that's so backwards to me right it's you know like I was singing with a friend of mine and we were writing together on this album and she's 30 and I'm 40 yeah she was like how do you hit those notes I'm like I'm 40 I have the bottom end of my range. You don't have it yet. You'll get more with each decade. You'll get more and more and oh, more. that's so good. And she was like, what? That's going to happen to me? I'm like, yes, it will. And it'll be great. Yeah. And you'll, but like, you have to push against this culture that says, by the time you're this age, you're done. Yeah. You have nothing left to offer. You're not beautiful. You're not sexy. You're not marketable. Man. You're done. And it's absolute horse hockey. And I'm going to keep saying that until I die. And people are like, you're just saying that because you're old. I'm like, I'm saying it because it's true. Like, the music I write now is, like, Cora plays this album that I wrote in my late 20s. Yeah. And she plays it on repeat. And I'm like, oh, my God, this album. Oh, I cannot. How many many albums have you written and recorded? Two real ones, like, that I recorded and put out and, like, did a small tour with. And then met Matt and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But, like, kept writing and writing and writing and yeah. writing. For other people, mostly. But, like, the stuff that I can sit down and, like, bang out in an hour and a half now is, like, way better than what I was writing Yeah. Because it was... I rambled a lot back then. I still ramble verbally, but I rambled musically then. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> word. Okay, so when are we doing an episode that focuses on you? Oh, gosh. Are you going to have know. Nikki interview you? That... <laughs> Because I want to um, hear this music. I want to hear this story. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's like a, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's like an odyssey. It's like this yeah. whole big, like, I don't even know. What makes better podcasts than <laughs> epic adventure? I would have to, like, cut, like, pare down and be like, okay, I need only I could talk for too long. Because I, you know, as any good self-centered person <laughs> can talk about me, 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 blah, blah, me, 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 blah, 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 for a long time. All of your listeners want yeah. to hear it. <laughs> no, I don't. Maybe, maybe not necessarily. But I think it's it, with each podcast guest that we've had, I find some part of them. Like I feel like I end up inviting people that I resonate with because they're they're like yeah. making some part of me resonate. Like, oh, yeah. I love this part of you, and it brings out this little spark of an idea when I talk to you about this and that and blah blah. Yeah. So. You guys are all part of who I love and what what I want to be and what I resonate with. So you're all part of that. Well, too. That's good. That's a good list to be on. <laughs> I like that. And then soon enough, we'll convince you to do an episode focused yeah, about- on you <laughs> directly. Well, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Nikki can come sneak on. in. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I want to thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It was really, really fun. enjoyable. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm afraid to ever listen back to it, so I might not. But it's don't, okay. don't be you can offended. Listen to the other ones. Yes, I uh, definitely am excited to listen to all the other ones. Because yeah, they're all so great. They're really fun. Chrissy Nicholson was like, "Are any of your podcasts not going to make me cry?" I was like, "I may." <laughs> this one, we didn't get this too tear jerky here. No, no, we didn't. We stayed on top. We didn't go down <laughs> to the to the depths. Yeah. She's like, I'm like, may, I mean, hopefully not all of them. Some will just be fun and silly. Because that's the part, too, of yeah. this. It's all, it's all there. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks and for coming. Sharing yes. your evening with me. Kid-free. For sure. What? It's been so quiet. It has been weirdly quiet. I'm just going to say I gave all the children some melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> there in bed now <laughs> just a small small amount don't judge me don't all call right. the police don't call the police it's totally natural all right mamas thanks for listening and you can find me um you can find the podcast online at i see you mama podcast.com you can find me uh sort of on twitter and instagram i'm there i'm just not doing a much but i'm on facebook a lot more and i'm trying to branch out Don't worry, I'll get there. It's progress, not perfection. (laughs) So you guys have a great day, and I'll see you later. Bye.